We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. Wait, he throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle, he pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams' sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Apollo with the man, the myth, the kind of legend, Norm Hightower, and former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart. We're here to break down today's epic battle between the Los Angeles Rams and the New Orleans Saints. The Rams lose a close one. It's closer than the score appears, I mean. I mean. 45-35 to the Saints in a game that lived up to all of its billing. Michael, I'll start with you. A, how are you doing, and what are your first thoughts of the game? My first thoughts are, it's kind of like we talked about last week. This was going to be a, a big get game uh, to see, actually, against a great team. 
where the Rams really are in regards to their record. Uh, and it was a very winnable game. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to get some some more of you guys' thoughts on uh, what went on today. But a uh, little disappointed, but glad it's happening now. I think they can learn from it. Norm? Well, this is the one prediction that I had, unfortunately, correct at the beginning of the year that the Rams were going to lose this game in New Orleans. I thought it might be closer than it was. Obviously, it turned out to be pretty close towards the end, but like Michael said, it's pretty disappointing. But, you know, if you're going to – if you're going to lose one, this is the one that you're probably going to lose in the season. Let's just hope they don't make a trend out of it. Uh, for me, I'm disappointed. I think I'm disappointed more or less at the the way they just kind of gave it away in the first half. The way they worked, they didn't. There was nothing defensively there, and I'm just wondering what was going on and how this even happened. But in the same token, I'm also excited the fact that they got down by 21 points and they came back and made this a game, tied it. You know, the old Rams teams didn't do that. Matter of fact, once they got down by 10, 14 points, it was usually over with. So, you know, I'm glad to see that. So before we get deeper into this game, I want to remind you that we're pretty much everywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, everywhere. So check us out. Also, we're on iBeatRadio.com. They air our shows on Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And, of course, iTunes. Thank you so much, everybody, for getting us there. We're at 107 now. Five-star reviews. We did have a winner. I announced it before. I'll say it again. Jesse Suentes. Suentes. Otherwise, Darth Parallax on Twitter. Sorry, buddy. It's been a long night. I know you understand. He got the $75 gift certificate to uh, NFLShot.com. So here's Norm. So here's Norm with the game stats. You ready? Sure. Uh, I hope I haven't drank too much after that game. (laughs) So Jared Goff was 28 of 40 for 391 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Those are the kind of numbers you'd expect to see in a win, but unfortunately it wasn't. Todd Gurley in rushing, 13 for 68 yards and a touchdown. Jared Goff, three for 17. Robert Woods, two for four. And Johnny Hecker, one for three. That should have been a first down. Receiving, Brandon Cooks had six for 114 yards and a touchdown. Good to see Cooper cut back, five receptions for 89 yards and a touchdown, and Robert Woods, five for 71. Gerald Everett, three for 48. Tyler Higby, two for 40. Malcolm Brown, one for 18 and a touchdown, which was an incredible play, and Todd Gurley, six for 11 yards. Uh, let's see here. No, We didn't get any sacks in the game, did we? No one did. Yeah, no sacks in the game. Uh, we had... Uh, one forced fumble that was recovered by Aaron Donald and Greg Zerling went two for three on field goals and three for three for extra points. Johnny Hecker had one punt for 47. Uh, see if I can get total yards up here. My computer sometimes screws up when this happens, but I'm going to give it a shot. Well, total yards are 485 to 483 for the Saints by two yards over the Rams. Oh, okay. Well, you, you you can take the team's stats because it's not giving them to me. Yeah. 391 net passing for the Rams, 346 for the, the Saints, 138 net rushing for the Saints, and 92 for the Rams. Four points to 32 yards in the game uh, for the Rams and, and uh, two for 20 for the Saints. So they let them play. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. They let them play. But overall, 
23 first downs to the Rams, 31 for the Saints. Third down efficiency, this, this hurt us. Three for eight. Saints were seven for 12. Can be, the total yard adjustment is literally total yards, guys, 484 to 483. Um, that's bananas. Two, the two teams combined for combined for three punts in the game. Time possession hurt the Rams. Uh, this is not Ram football that we know. 26 minutes and 19 seconds, 33-41. So this is one of those games where, you know, for we've been imposing our will on, on teams. The Rams have been in this time the Saints were able to impose a little more than than what we would, would have wanted. So, guys, I'm a little – I'm having a hard time with words on this one because it, the game did live up to its billing. It it sucks the way it kind of went down. The Rams make this comeback and then kind of lose at the end and get away from them. But it was a tale of two halves, and the Saints did – once it was 14-14, the, the Saints dominated the rest of the first half. What made the Saints so successful both offensively and at times – defensively in that first half where they got that 35-14 lead. Michael? Well, I, I think if you if you look at it, you're going to look at the teams, you know, somewhat evenly matched uh, across the board in the different categories. Uh, and then it's going to probably come down to coaching experience. If you look at Sean Payton, I think he was – well, obviously he was able to make some quicker adjustments and that first half into the first quarter and going into the second quarter, which allowed them to then get up, uh, you know, what was it, 21 points, and then we got the field goal right before half. Uh, but I think it was the ability of, of Peyton and his staff to make those adjustments to start exploiting some of the things they were able to win on, you know, namely my man Marcus Peters. Uh, yeah, he had a little tough day there. Yeah, we're we're going to get to him. <laughs> I, I, I got some, you know I got questions on him. That's coming. Uh, Nor, what were your thoughts? Well, he just hit it on the head. Uh, that's why I want to start drinking again. Marcus Peters, just <laughs> what a horrible game. I mean, Troy Hill played better than Marcus Peters tonight, so that's that should tell you something. You know, we knew it was going to be a shootout. We knew that, you know, you you had to score on every drive if you could. We knew turnovers are going to be a big difference. They capitalized on theirs. We didn't capitalize on ours. It, you know, our our defense couldn't stop them. And, you know, kudos to New Orleans' offensive line. You know, we knew they were good, and we compared them to the Rams' offensive line. But, honestly, I think they play, they played better tonight overall than the Rams on the offensive line goes, uh, as far as that goes. I, I, it was just a tough game. You know, this is a hard place to play. It was quiet as a mouse when the Saints had the ball, and loud as hell when the Rams had it. You know, put all those things together, and it just turns out to be a tough game. Getting behind early against a team like the Saints is tough to come back from. I I just look at this game going. I I can't help but get past the fact that this team was down thirty five fourteen, and actually made it a game, tied this game up. I really felt like when they got down 35-14, we're going to find out a lot about this Rams team, where, they, where they're coming from. Are they as good as we think they are? And I think they proved they are. I, there's obviously things that need to be fixed. and that, that, that bye cannot get here any sooner. I honestly believe that. They need that two weeks off to kind of work on some things. But, you know, good football teams come back against good football teams. Good football teams... Um, 
sorry, bad football teams just don't make that comeback. Bad football teams, they they give up. They 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 wilt away. And this is stuff that we're used to with the Rams. The Rams would fall behind early, and that would be it. I remember this. Remember the Saints game a couple years ago. Jared Goss first start. Remember that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Remember what happened? They got down. And that was it. That was over. They just they wilted away. This that's not the same Rams team today. So that, I think it's a positive I can take from it in that. This game, this team will stay in games. They're not going to get blown up any games. They're they're going to be in there, and if they're if they're off on defense, someone's going to pick somebody up, and hopefully down the line they can fix some of these these holes in the secondary. And it wasn't just Marcus Peters, by the way. The safeties had a hard time this game tackling. But yeah, to that tackling too was was rough. Um, the the momentum too. The momentum guys is shifted on that fake field goal. It was fourteen fourteen. The Rams had had the ball there. Do you go for it like they did? Do you go for the fake or you go for the field? What do you do? Michael? Well, I oh, – go, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Norm. I mean, I questioned it before they even, you know, went out on the field. Are they going to try something here? I, I, knowing that they have to score a lot of points, I don't blame him for trying it. Uh, I believe we got the yardage, but, you know, I'm not going to cry over spilt milk. Uh, I personally would have kicked the field goal. I think anytime you have an opportunity for points against a Saints team at their home, you have to just get the points no matter what they are. And, you know, got to capitalize on that turnover, and we didn't do it. And I think that takes the momentum off of you and puts it back onto them. When you have the swing going with the turnover, I think you have to take advantage of that any way that you can. So I think it did shift the momentum some. But, you know, you could question a lot of things in this game. I, I, it just, it is what it is. And I'm sorry that they didn't make it. I, I believe they did, but you know, it, this isn't going to be a bitch test over, you know, the officials. They pretty much let everybody play. They went to replay. They didn't get it, but it definitely did change the momentum for sure. Michael. I was just sad that, you know, I think that was one of the, we had a, a thing when I played for coach Chuck Knox, when he came in and coached the last couple of years with the Rams and I was there he would always talk about there's going to be five affordable plays during a game, whether it's a kick return, you know, a big play on offense, a fumble, a big stop on defense, you know, something like that. And his, his mantra was always, if we can win four or five of those, most likely you're going to win the game. I, I love the call on the fake, uh, you know, being a special team guy early in my career you know, you always want to be a part of, man, we make plays as well. My thing is when you're playing a game, this game comes down to who wants it more. And in that situation, when Johnny Hecker is running for that cone, if you look at the end, he was going to kind of go, I'm going to avoid this contact and just try to stretch out when he should have just put his shoulder down and just ran upfield into the guy and he would have for sure gotten it. But when he was like, oh, I'm going to just kind of avoid the contact and go out of bounds, again, you know it's a fake, and you know you have to get it. There's no, oh, it was a good try. No, we got to have this. He's got to do something, run the guy over, you know, run into him, dive over him, because you got to get that first down right there. You cannot not make it if you're that close. You know, it's different if as soon as he took off, they just – you know, came in uh, and bum rushed him and tackled him in the backfield. 
but he had an opportunity, in my opinion, you just got to put your head and shoulder down and, and go for it. And I, I saw a number, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. There are a number of affordable plays that the Saints look like they just wanted it more today. Yeah, and for me, I think I think I take the points. If I'm the if I'm coaching that team, I think I don't want to double guess too much or triple guess or whatever guess too much on. That. I think that's one of those things where you feel like you need to get something off that turnover, and I can't really blame Sean McVay for taking the risk. They, they've they've done well taking risks this year, but as Real for there, how, how long was that field goal? Or how long would that um, field goal? I think I want to say like thirty. Was it thirty-five, Norm? Like 30, yeah, around thirty-five. It, it was. It was very makeable. Okay. It was very makeable. Because I was just thinking, you know, uh, the the field goal kicker is coming off a groin injury. You know, he uh, you know kicked the two extra points, of course. But I'm thinking maybe they're like, well, man, maybe we don't want to restrain something. You know, I don't know. You know, well, he did nail that. He nailed that 56-yarder, though. Yeah, after the fact, because it was like, yeah, we're probably not going for the fakes anymore. <laughs> yeah, so after the fact. But I'm thinking maybe he was thinking that being, you know, as Norm saying, a very makeable field goal, but maybe the thought was, hey, we let's, you know, let's see if we can get the first down because we don't want to kick the field goal and miss because, again, like Norm said, that'll swing the momentum back anyway. But either way, they didn't make the field goal. So, yeah, I just was kind of curious on the, the distance. I didn't. I remember they had that chance, but I didn't know how long it was. It was fourth and four at the New Orleans 16, so it was a 33-yard. Oh, yeah, and that's, that should have been a chip shot. Absolutely, Norm. You're right. I, I look at that call. And this, you know, I didn't look at the way you looked at where he should have gone forward more. Uh, so I, I, I'm kind of – interested in that perspective on the same token I don't really fault I may be the guy here who you guys look at and go hey uh, no you're wrong you're wrong but I don't really fault the officials for change, for not changing the call I do think it was a first down I think looking at, at especially the angle where the camera was looking kind of diagonally where he was stretching out and from that angle it looked like he was short does that mean I think he was short? No. But they have to make a review call, and it has to be irrefutable, right? And I don't believe it was irrefutable. There were a couple angles there that didn't look like it, didn't give it a clear look. And so I can see why they wouldn't overturn it. I still believe it should have been called a first down from the get-go, though. Well, Michael knows this. I mean, when you're in a game and you have to make a snap-quick decision on what you're going to do, you know, Hecker knew how many yards he had to get. He thought he made it. Uh, that was evident by when he stood up and, you know, with all smiles and everything. But right. I also I also agree with Michael. I mean, Hecker's 6'4". He's no small yeah. guy. He could have run the guy over. So, you know, it's hard to make those choices in split second of the game. I understand why they went for it. Uh, obviously, if they would have gotten it and went down and scored a touchdown, this whole game might have been different. So... It's one of those risky plays. It's one of those moments that Michael's talking about where, you know, if you don't get it, it could definitely swing the momentum, and it certainly did do that. Well, it's interesting to me, Norm, is this to me brings in the whole pylon rule, the pylon for the touchdown. You know what I mean? 
you got guys, to me, they're nowhere near actually scoring a touchdown, but they kind of wave the ball over and they go, oh, it's a touchdown. It broke the plane. So when you look at it, to me, from the angles I saw, if I'm going with the pylon idea, well, he got the first down by a yard and a half, you know, by the way he waved his his, his arm pass. But if they went to where his knee went when he was sliding, you know, that's where it gets to me a little ticky tack. So, uh, but yeah, I definitely agree with Norm. If you make it, it's always the best call in the world. If you don't make it, we're doing what we're doing, like, you know, kind of the what if game a little bit. Sure. Now, even Aikman and the infamous Joe Buck, you know, thought he made, <laughs> thought he made it. So, uh, right. you know, it's, it's tough. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you could cry about it and get upset about it and just keep going on and on and on about it. But, you know, it is what it is. They didn't get the call. And, you know, ultimately it may have been one of the calls that shifted the game and, and cost it for us. But there's a lot more other issues in this game that cost us a lot more than that, that fake field goal. Okay, so before we move on, folks, do, we do want to ask you if you have not read Jim Hawk's book, Hollywood Team, Great, Great Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams, Check it out. It tells a great story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out a son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Lakes Hirsch, Tom Fears, Les Richter, in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's available both in hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can also find Hollywood's Teen through various booksellers on the internet. Folks, I've read it. Norm's read it. Michael, have you read it yet? Not yet. Not yet. Get that for you. It's worth every penny. We can vouch for that. It's a short book. It's not, not too long. It's a good read. Again, Hollywood's Teen, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. Okay, so other things I want to ask you guys. Well, when's Michael going to write his book? That's what I want to know. <laughs> um, I need to work on that, absolutely. <laughs> My story of the 1980s Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> there you go. Okay. that would I think that will be an interesting story, actually. Playing against well, Jerry Rice and all those guys. Yeah, it would always it'd probably be mostly about how we got whooped by the Niners for seven seasons when I was there. <laughs> Yeah, never mind then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys got him in 85, didn't you? Well, I wasn't there in 85. But, well, you know, okay. growing up uh, a Ram fan, you know, watching them just kind of walk up and down over the Niners and then to play for the Rams and only beat them once out of seven tries, though we had them beat four or five other times. Uh, but, you know, the Joe Montana comeback and all that good stuff, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, it would be interesting. <laughs> Well, hold on. Just, I know we've talked about it, and I know we've looked it up. What year was your last year at the team? My last year there was '93. Oh, come on! There's so many things to talk about then. Oh there yeah, there's so many things to talk about. '87 to '93. Yeah, we had some doozies, but yeah, we had some some great. You know, from all the draft picks from the Eric Dickerson trade. You know, the Flipper Anderson at the Saints game. You know, the big overtime win we had there. You know, so I was hoping that was going to be the case today, but they just fell a little short. Oh, good Lord. I I, I, I want to, oh, gosh. I, that game today, man. Whew. 
takes all the words away from you. Okay, so being a defensive guy, what did the Rams struggle with defensively against that Saints offense outside of Marcus Peters? We'll get to Marcus Peters. You know, he's on an island all by himself right now. How did the rest of that Rams defense struggle against that Saints offense, especially in the first half? Well, my just looking at it, uh, again, you don't know what the coaches and the game plan totally, but early on, the Saints had the Rams number on defense. And it looks like uh, with the new addition of Fowler, I think, you know, they're trying to get him in there. And, and so you're now working in a new guy who's been there a few days. And now you're saying, hey, step up and go rush to pass and do those things. But it just looked like the plays that they were calling – they were catching the Rams either by certain places on the field, situational things, isolating guys on a backside. If you if you notice it, they were trying to get the tight ends in the mix a lot, but they were isolating, you know, backslide of play uh, of of the formations a lot of times, you know, and and you would think that when they're to the short side of the field, they might not go that way, but they were working the short side, you know, versus the wide side. And up front, it looked like the Rams' D-line was doing a lot of twists and stunts, which means you're going around and looping as opposed to you're getting in a gap, putting pressure right up the field. So that's what it looked like. They were really catching the the Rams in the secondary and and Breeze being able to uh, make throws, and then they were mixing in the run really good. Well, Breeze's quick release – the Saints offensive line, the combination of those two together were a lot of the reasons our secondary struggled, especially early in the game. There wasn't any pressure on Breeze at all. I mean, Michael and I could have stood back there and, and yeah. thrown passes all day long with that kind of time. So I think that's where it was in the beginning. Uh, later in the game, they tightened it up some, and they changed some coverages, brought in some different guys, and things seemed to get a little bit better. But uh, – Overall, I think the biggest problem was the pass rush and and how much time Drew Brees had and how quickly he was getting rid of the ball. They did get some rush on him, but then you notice that fourth quarter, right when they tied the game up, that that play inside the red zone, the Rams red zone, where he had an open scope and those and the Rams players were just sitting there going, eh, "What happened there? What what was going? There was no rush at all. They were just standing there." Well, they ran a four-man rush, and they were doing stunts, like Michael said. And the way the stunts worked out left the middle of the field wide open. I mean, Bruce, I Bruce could have ran 30 yards up the middle. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the thing is, once you get in a kind of a shootout like that, you have to always be able to fall back on your technique and the scheme being sound. You know, we talk about having a sound gap. Gap sound defense. I mean, you know, every gap is covered or accounted for. You know, the the contain is accounted for. But what I saw, you know, especially when they were able to run early, you know, guys weren't in their gaps or they were jumping around a block or they were, hey, I'm going to go inside when I got contained and I'm supposed to be outside or I'm supposed to be outside and I'm going to jump inside. So you're seeing things like that. And then, you know, secondary-wise, you know, now you've got to tackle a good running back in space. But you got to always be willing to come up and actually tackle that guy. If you're not, uh, it's going to be 
what it was, you know, some big plays here and there. And that was kind of one of my things I was really zeroing in on Marcus Peters is like, wait a minute. Okay, you have to be able to cover your guy, but once you see that it's run, you got to be on and coming. I saw Marcus Peters on numerous occasions. He just stand there and just stand there looking, you know, right by his receiver like, yeah, I'm not having to tackle, which that is real concerning to me because when you get down the stretch and this game proved it, you're going to have to play the pass and you're going to have to make some tackles. Okay, so you went to – we keep going back to Marcus Peters, so I'll go ahead and ask this question now. With Marcus Peters, he he did. He struggled. He was awful today. I don't think there's any way around that against another great receiver in Michael Thomas. So what did you see in his coverage that was a real problem? And is it time is it time to label him as a bust for the Rams? Because this is most of the season now. Well, it's interesting. I went and just kind of pulled up, you know, Wikipedia and just like, oh, okay, he played at Washington. Well, what do they do in the Pac-12? They just kind of really throw the ball. So you're just playing off and your scheme can make you look great. I go, oh, okay, defense rookie of the year. He had a lot of picks. Well, the scheme that they play in, in Kansas City, you know, again, you have a great pass rush. You can kind of be back there cherry picking. So as I said earlier, you have to be able to fall back on your technique. So what I saw with Marcus Peters, if he can't jam you off the line, he's no good. And I can see that Drew Brees and the offense, they go, oh, we're going to isolate him over here because his one shot is he's going to try to jam you. And if he gets you, okay, he has you. But that that receiver was juking him and running, stopping and going. And that's why I think he must still be hurt because his lateral movement is non-existent. Once that guy would break, he would fall down. You know, a couple plays, he was wide open. He's trying to grab on the guy. He's on the turf. The guy's running wide open and Breeze throws it somewhere else. So his technique is just just non-existent right now. You know, you typically, if you have inside press, you don't let the guy inside and then you you're forcing him outside and you play him over the top. If you got head up or outside press, knowing that you have help inside, then you can force him inside, play from outside in. But he wasn't doing either of none of the above. And then he just, you know, like that last touchdown, he just jumped up in the air and he looked back at the safety like he had help. And the safety's kind of like, man, you know, that's your man. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens with him. So my only thing is you can't have that many picks and be a pro bowler, and then after you get injured, now you're playing like you shouldn't even be on the field. So that's why I think he's probably still hurt, but they're like, hey, man, get out there. But it's it's starting to show, and it's, it's coming really costly on the defense. Hey, really quick before Norm cuts in, this is out now from Vinny Bonsignore um, on Twitter talking about Marcus Peters. He said, the Rams Marcus Peters said he's, he's been playing poorly. Not exactly his words, but you get the gist. The last couple of weeks, owns up to it, says he's going to keep competing and grinding. That's what he just was quoted at. Um, it was paraphrased because obviously Marcus Peters wasn't using nice words. <laughs> so that was uh, what Vinny paraphrased for his comments. Norm, what are your thoughts? He got beat like Richard Simmons in a UFC fight. 
<laughs> I mean, it was it was horrible, dude. I, I sat there and I watched him. You know, I, I isolated the game on him and just watched him. And you know, guys were just running right past him. And, and then after on that last long play that, uh, uh, gosh, I can't think of his name now, uh, Thomas. The last long touchdown that Thomas got after he got beat, he just looked at him and went, "Yeah, I just got beat," and just trotted down yeah. the field. Exactly. I mean, I'm like, even if you're getting beat, hustle your ass down the field and try to make a tackle or do something. So I'm starting to label him as a bust. I'm sitting here going, right now, if he doesn't have another lockdown corner on the other side to help him out like Tlaib, he's he's nothing. He's not a number one corner. And if he's healthy, he's really not a number one corner. So I'm, I'm hoping they figure it out. I was hoping that they'd use the safety more to help do some double coverage on him. I kind of thought that's what they would do, knowing that Peters is getting beat pretty bad, but I didn't see much of that today. And you know, they're gonna. This is gonna be our Achilles' heel, and I know all about them right now. Um, this is gonna be their Achilles' heel come playoff time if Talib's not back. Well, now, well, you're hitting on a good point, Norm, in that you know the back end goes hand in hand with the pressure up front. If that pressure's not up front, well, you really have to play your technique. That means you got to actually backpedal. You can't just try to grab a guy. But when you're getting pressure, a lot of those plays that he's getting beat on, they're they're either sack or hurry throw. But when the pressure's not there, it's very eye-opening to see what's happening to that young man. Yeah. Well, another thing, too, the Rams, you actually kind of just touched on it. I've touched on it so far. The Rams displayed several issues today in that secondary tackling, in that second level. We, you, we mentioned that before. Is this the same problem that we talked about last week where these guys are concerned about the penalty? Is it just poor tackling technique? I'm thinking of the one play in particular where Kamara, the Kamara touchdown off to the, the left-hand side where Joyner came up there and had him, but over-pursued, came across him, and Kamar broke the tackle. Ten yards down the way, he's in the end zone. Is this, is this technique? Is it trying to avoid penalties? What's going on with the tackling? Because there was a lot of that, a lot of bad tackling today. Well, Kamar's well, just Kamar- hard to tackle. I mean... Well, he is, he, but he had him. He had well, they, him. they over-pursued on the play that you're talking about, and I understand that, but th- there was... A little bit of lack of hustle sometimes. Uh, you, yes. could def- you could definitely see that. Uh, there was some over-pursuit, taking bad angles. There was a lot of a lot of little issues going on. But one thing I am going to say is I started watching Troy Hill a lot, and I know we beat up on him quite a bit. But tonight, he was the only guy in the secondary that was really tackling. If you, if you go back and watch, there were a couple times where he read the play and actually slanted across to the other side of the field and made the tackle at the line of scrimmage. So... I was pretty impressed by him tonight, but when you got other guys that aren't hustling, there were times that joiners hustled, join, the joiner hustled, and you could see it. And but overall, it just looked like New Orleans was a step faster than we were, and we 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 just weren't right there with it. And I, I don't know, I don't get it. I don't know why. Uh, this has been a long road to hoe for the Rams right now. You know, with all the games they've had to play, like you said, the bye really needs to get here quick. And I think you're starting to see some of the eight no pressure. You're starting to see some some lingering injuries. Some guys are tired. 
And I think that really showed tonight. Well, four, yeah, four road games in five, right? Yeah. Michael? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I totally agree. Uh, but as a defensive player, you know, we always talk about it's a desire that you have. You know, I'm looking at uh, the linebacker. I think it's Livingston. Is it Livingston 56? L- Littleton, Littleton. Littleton, Littleton. Uh, now, when I watch him play, I go, okay, that guy's playing hard. Uh, the other linebacker, I think it was 46, he made a play on the uh, on the the last kind of last possession when that fourth and one, he came over, he jumped over kind of his guy and tried to tackle him. Well, that's how you have to come throughout the whole game. And if you're going to be a good defense – you got to have, you know, we say 11 guys coming to the ball. Now, the big guys up front, hey, you might not expect them to be downfield 40, 50 yards, but everybody else, they should be on and coming. But I agree totally with Norm. If you look at the tape, you just see a lot of guys go, oh, well, they got him. Oh, they don't have him. Oh, well, they got him. Oh, that's not my play. And that stuff gets exposed in a game like this. Uh so I think they'll learn from it. I want to ask this question, and guys, don't think I'm trying to be like this crazy hot take kind of guy. But last year, this defense struggled at times, and we all said, hey, you know, under Wade Phillips, the team doesn't have the right personnel yet, and so on and so forth. Well, the Rams went out and overhauled this defense, and it's loaded with talent. None of us can argue against that. But... 45 points, 27 points, 31 points. I gave up it to Seattle. Should we start getting concerned about some of the letdowns this defense is having? Is Wade Phillips' system really working with the Rams? Norm? I don't think it has anything to do with Wade Phillips right now. I think it has to do with the fact that his system requires good corners, and right now we don't have them. You know, with Tlaib out and Peter's not playing up to par, you know, look at look at when he played at Denver. Look at the cover, you know, the, the guys he had out in coverage. That made a big difference. And he had a pass rush up front. You you have to have all those working parts, and I don't think he has all of them yet. Yes, they did overhaul it, but you know, th- they don't they didn't really have an outside linebacker until today, and and even that's questionable to this point. He played well today, Fowler did, but mm-hmm. We don't have those lockdown corners right now. Marcus Peters is not that guy, and it keeps leaves out. And I think that's the part that's really hurting us. And, you know, you need those corners that you can put guys out on an island and not have to worry about them so that it lets your linebackers and your defensive front have more time to get the sack or make the tackle. And we don't have it. And I think that's our, like I said, our Achilles heel right now. Part of me thinks they should have went out and got another corner instead of Fowler. I like Fowler. I think he'll do well with us, but I really think we needed another corner. Michael? Yeah, I I definitely agree. You know, again, you know, everything on defense goes hand in hand, and and Norm is hitting it right on the head, uh, the nail on the head, because when you look at those Denver defenses or any of schemes where Wade has been, you know, when the pass rush is getting home and he has the lockdown corners – that allows you to just call, man, those guys are going to take their two best guys out, and then 
you know, the rest is somewhat history. So uh, until we can get, you know, one of the big acquisitions was was Indominus Sue, you know, and I haven't really isolated on him. But the idea was, oh, well, he's going to at least be taking two guys every play where now, you know, that's going to free up Aaron Donald. Well, you can see that at some times. But again, like today, they were just doing a lot of twists and looping stunts. And I'm like, okay, why are they just not getting up the field saying, man, you got to block me one-on-one. Let's see if you can stop me. But a lot of times when you're doing those twists and looping, if they pick it up, it just becomes a big old log jam. And as Norm noted earlier, or they get pushed out to the sides in the wide open is open for a quarterback to just scramble, you know, forever, especially when you're expecting the secondary to be in man-on-man coverage. By then, their backs are turned. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because, remember, even when Tlaib gets back, he's coming off uh, uh, ankle surgery. You know what I mean? And so you're talking about cutting and planting and, I mean, I'm sure the rehab is trying to get him there, but still, he's going to have a couple maybe three or four games to get back into that true plan shape get his timing down and again when you're coming off surgery you're still thinking like you know is my ankle really ready so hopefully him being a savvy veteran he'll be ready to go but uh i I totally agree with norm that uh my man marcus peters he's got to get back to sound technique and He's got to get his courage up and because I just see a lot of loafing, in my opinion. So I don't know. Maybe he got the money and, you know. He well, he just... hasn't got the money yet. <laughs> oh. He hasn't got the money yet. He's playing for a contract. He's got, what, two years left in this one now. And it's if the Rams accept the fifth one for next year, right? Yeah, he needs to pick and, it up. So. Well, I'd say right now the way he's playing, they won't up for that fifth well, year. I think they'll – yeah, I think they'll let him go. I don't know if you saw this, Michael, but uh, we talked about a stat on our last week's podcast uh, that in pass rushing plays, Aaron Donald's been double teamed on 70% of the snaps. So obviously Sue's not taking that many double teams if Donald's getting you know, double teamed that many. And the goal is if if he's getting double team, would you hope, you know, if they're only rushing four, well, they got five in there and they keep it back. They still got enough to block. However, you can't go from what was last week he had was it four he had the four sack week last week, right? Two weeks ago. Two two weeks, two weeks ago. ago. Last week he had two, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you can't go from four sack week, two sack week. To you're not even getting close today. I mean, he got the the penalty on the one, but other than that, I don't know that he was really close that much today. And so, yeah, and that's again, you know, we're not in there watching film, but you would hope that he's getting double teamed that much. Somebody else should be getting home. Well, another thing too is they, they let those guys play in, in the trenches. There were there weren't. I mean, six penalties total, no holding calls. That I remember was there was there there was one right? Was there one? I think it was one. I might be wrong, but there weren't many holding calls. So he's letting these guys play, and if you're not making holding calls, he doesn't just do what they want the entire game. So I, I just yeah. look at it and, yeah. All right, real quick, Norm with the Gold Ram Barbershop. We do want to thank we do want to thank Sal. So here we go. Now it's time to give a shout out to our longtime sponsor, the Golden Ram Barbershop. 
If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and like that old school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day that they left for St. Louis and has kept the lights on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows that we sent you to get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to his shop is worth it just to enjoy all the Rams memorabilia there. It's it's like a shrine to the Rams, like a hall of fame Mm -hmm. to the Rams Mm -hmm. in a barbershop. But Sal also provides that really nice old school barbershop experience talking Rams football and more. Trust me, folks, you won't regret it. Sal even managed to make me, Derek, and Johnny look good and appear, well, somewhat normal. All right, guys. So here we go. Our last questions here. Um, Hey, well, who is your player of the game, even in the loss? Who's your player of the game? Let's start with with our guest, Michael. (laughs) Player of the game? Ah, that's, that's kind of tough. I think, uh, I think Brandon had a great game in the sense of, you know, going back to, uh, New Orleans. Uh, I think he had a solid game, had a chance to make some other plays, uh, just didn't come up, uh, with him at the end when, you know, you hope that you need him. Uh, but other than that, I, I don't really have anyone defensively that, that, you know, stood out to me. Well, so, for me, for me, I'm going to, I'm going to go a little outside the box here. I'm taking Cooper cup cause he's back. And even though he had a tough first half, he came out and played well in the second, got that long touchdown. And just for the fact that he's back on the field that quick, I'll, I'll go with Cooper cup. I'm going to go with Jared Goff, 391 yards today. He shook off an interception that was coming, by the way. They entered, he, was, he was staring down receivers much of that first half, and the interception was coming, and he shook it off, 20 for 40, three touchdowns after that. Um, I'll take that. He led this team back into it. He When the big penalty on Saffold happened, he just walked up and was a leader and tried to calm his guy down. It was really good to see him taking that that initiative and being a leader out there. And, and uh, so I'll take Jared Goff. All right, guys, final thoughts here as well. I'm going to go with Norm to start here. What are your final thoughts? Well, you know, this is their their first loss. They they need to show that they are the team that they, you know, that we believe that they are. So they need to go back home and they need to whoop Seattle's ass. And, uh <laughs> <laughs> and do it, do it, do it handily in the Coliseum, and keep themselves healthy and get ready for KC because that's going to be their next big challenge. Michael, well, I, I actually have a, a quick question. Maybe you guys can help me out because I had to step away from from the game for a second after they tied it up. What happened next? Because I looked in the box score. The Saints went right down and got a field goal. I mean, what happened? Because we had a chance, and it looked like we went three and out. We did. We, we did. That? First three and out of the game. 
He did. Yeah. So, so that kind of, you know, was like, wow, you know, you come back, you tie it up, and then you got a chance to maybe now put some pressure on them, and you go three and out, and then they go down and get a field goal. You know, I'm not sure what happened first, if they got the field goal, then the three and out, and then it just kind of keeps you off balance. But uh, I, I agree with Norm. This this game, at least from my point of view, uh, I saw a lot of guys, you know, again, seeming like they were in the wrong places. You know, on one of the touchdowns, uh, the tight end scored. Uh, the safety and the linebacker had him, but it was on the backside, and they kind of go, oh, it's a fake run, and they just let him go, and then he just scores an easy touchdown. Well, that should have been an easy play. Breeze would have had to throw it away, or they would have had an interception. So I think there's a lot of those types of plays you know, throughout the game uh, that just got away from us. And, you know, obviously being behind, you know, we weren't able to get, you know, Gurley running like usual, and it just changes the game plan. So, yeah, it'll be be, be great to, to look at it. You know, you know, Lyman got to learn you got to keep your calm. But, you know, again, you can get all these frustrations out because you were 8-0, and this, again, was a very winnable game. But we had a lot of mistakes, too, that, that I think ultimately, you know, put the game in the Saints' favor. Well, that well, series thing. that series that you missed, uh, they punted. The Rams got the ball on, on their twenty-five, and uh, Golf threw up through really his first bad pass of the game to Robert Woods. You know, missed him. Next play was a one-yard run to Gurley, which I thought was not really a great call at that time. They were starting to blitz a lot. Would have been a perfect time for a screen. So it was. Uh, at that point, it was uh, third and ten or third and nine, and then uh, they threw a two-yard pass to Cooper Cup and got stuffed and at the twenty-six and had to punt. So yeah, that yeah. was a crucial crucial moment of the game there that they kind of blew it. Well, the, the thing that with that series as well of all the times where we we've been talking a little bit about the Rams abandoning the screen, and when we had Jim Everett on on Monday, he pointed out that the way that the Packers were laying back in coverage last week, it wouldn't have worked out very well if they were on the screen. But now here they are, blitzing on on that series. Three straight downs, by the way. Three straight downs are coming. That's the perfect time for the screen, and they didn't do it. So now Jared Goff, on the, fir- on the first down throw, is thrown off his back foot. Misses. The, the run to, to Gurley goes nowhere. One yard. Okay. And then the third down throw, again, off his back foot being rushed because they didn't have a play ready for that to deal with. That's, that's, and that's the only time in the game I really question their offensive play calling. I am concerned still that they are overland in the pass. They got they ran well early in the game. They kind of abandoned it once they were down 21-14. to 14. Then we get closer again as 35-35, and they don't focus again on the run. So... There needs to be more consistency there. It's not just they were down 35 to 14 at one point. They could still run the ball. It was still early enough, and they didn't really do it that much. Well, I think Sean McVay can learn a lot from Sean Payton. Yes. Uh, I really do. And, you know, we have to keep in mind, as great as he is for 32 years old and as well as he's done for the Rams, he's still yes. got, some, got some stuff to learn. Absolutely. Absolutely. And – you're right on it, and I and I agree totally with Norm. I think, not I think, I know with Cooper Cup now being back in the mix, 
Uh, and again, this is the first game back. You know, you still got to get in some game, you know, and those things and find the rhythm. But that's going to definitely pay dividends down the stretch. I'll say this too. I'm not being critical of Sean McVay. What I'm saying is, is, is if there's anything to complain about for play call in this game, they still scored 35 points. This isn't on the offense. This is on the defense this time. And if there's anywhere to improve, it's those are the things you get to improve on. He's, I'll, I'll take Sean McVay any day of the week right now. Any, I'll take him over Sean Payton. I believe if you keep, if you give him time. This guy's going to win Super Bowls in L.A. And the Rams would be foolish enough to ever, ever think differently. This guy brings something to this team that other guys don't bring. And so I, as he matures, he just gets better at his job. And he's good now. I'm confident that long-term, he's going to win He's going to win multiple Super Bowls with the Rams. I really well, Drew, Bre- Drew Brees is older than he is. <laughs> yeah. By seven I mean, years. You know, yeah, and and Sean, you know, Sean Payton's in his early fifties. He's the same age as I am. So, I mean, he's going to be. 50s. He's going to be. Dude, yeah. stop. stop. Hey, how long has Sean Payton been the head coach there now? Oh gosh, oh. long time. I want to probably say fifteen plus. Close. To you that, just yeah. you just saved Derek for you know from getting a. I'm going to kick your ass comment. <laughs> so. <laughs> I was I was almost there. <laughs> Okay, guys. So we're gonna we're gonna let this podcast go on that light note, folks. Hey, those folks are upset about the game. The Rams are still eight and one. They still have one of the yep. best offenses in the league. They still have the talent and the defense to turn around. So hey, that's how we're gonna end it. Positive. They're gonna, they are. I, I I hate to be Seattle next week. I would hate to be them. This Rams team's gonna come out there and be angry. At home, they're gonna be angry. So hey, real quick, folks. Sponsorship, advertisers. If you, if you want to advertise with us, Norm knows it. Our numbers this week for this game, off the charts. Seven straight days of numbers for us that were off the charts. We, we, we can work well together. Give us an email, ramsot1945.gmail.com or voicemail us at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. We would love to work with you. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash RamsTalk. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paula. You can find Norm at Norm Hightower. And you can find yeah. Michael Stewart at OneDuke23. Don't forget us on iTunes, Stitcher. Subscribe, folks. It helps us out tremendously. For Norm Hightower, for Michael Stewart, this is Derek C. Paula with Rams Talk. Take it easy and have a great one. Adios. Adios. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. 
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.